welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. And there I am. Can you all hear me better now? Good, good thing I'm pretty loud before I... Uh, or Carly says that anyway. But... But what's essentially going on here is he says, I write to you so that you may have confidence that you have eternal life. So it's an assurance of salvation uh, type letter that he writes to these, uh, these churches. And so let's pick up, we'll read, we'll pray over God's word, and we're going to hop into the message today. Starting chapter 2, verse 28. This is what God's word says. It says, And now, dear children, continue in him. So when he appears, that you might be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Now if you know that he is righteous, uh, if you know that he is righteous, and you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, Now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Church, let's pray. Um, Lord, I I thank you for today. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Um, Man, I I thank you for the worship. God, I thank you for the words we sang. and, And God, I thank you that they're true. And that you're good, you're here, and, uh, and we love you. Uh, God, I thank you personally uh, for, for what you've given me. And God, I pray in the next 40 minutes or so, Lord, would you uh, speak to your people. And God, I pray that you would, uh, you would just have your way. God, we're so thankful as a church for what you're doing uh, in this body. We, we just give you all the glory and the honor because, God, you are worthy. And, uh, and so, God, I pray over the message. I pray over every heart. Um, whether we've come in in good circumstances, bad, or somewhere in between, Lord, would you open up our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say? We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, and so we're getting ready for uh, the holiday season, and, and I don't know about you, but how many of you, man, the holiday season is just crazy busy, all right? You got to be a, a million places. I saw two hands go up over here. Bless you. We'll pray for you. Uh, but man, you, you know, it's a crazy, fast-paced Western culture we live in. Like, we want what we want, and we want it now. I think about when I was a kid, man, how many of you got a toy that you were so fired up about, and it was cool for like two weeks? Can anybody remember those toys? 
uh, my mom and dad are in the house, man, I, I wasted a lot of that uh, time, that, that toys. Um, but, you know, we're a fast-paced culture. And I know many of you dads, you're getting ready to put together, uh, uh, you know, gifts and whatever and whatever. And I don't know if you got a little bit of something in you that's in me, but I'm a threat to skip right over them instructions. So is that any, any guy in the house? Uh, man, I'm so about just wanting to get to the destination, finish the task, and move on. In any kind of long process where I have to read stuff and be patient, and I, I'm not here for it. Can anybody agree with that? That's kind of how we are. And so I, I want you to know that a lot of times in this immediate gratification culture, we're not really used to having a lot of persistence and perseverance. And sadly, a lot of times this goes into the Christian life. Right? The, the, we see the Christian life as a destination to get to or something that we can figure out in a couple weeks. We got it mastered and I'm a solid man or woman in Christ and now I can move on. But if you've been following the Lord for a while, this just isn't how it is, is it? Turn with me. We're gonna be in uh, Psalm 84. We're gonna be here for just a second. But this passage, this one verse, I think will be good for you. The psalmist says this. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns. It even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. In just a second, man, if you know Jesus is Lord, all right, this is your eternal destination to be in his presence, right? And so the psalmist is saying, Lord, I want to be with you. My soul longs for you. I, I want to be the completed project. Now, verse three, it says, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Talking about people being in the presence. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on, take this with you, pilgrimage. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they, may, they make it to a place of the springs and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. And it says, they go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. That's heaven. Hear this. I want you to take this with you. The Christian life is a pilgrimage. The Christian life is a pilgrimage. It's a journey. It is not a, something that is quickly done. It's not something that we can complete, finish the task, got it mastered, now I can move forward. This is a lifetime journey. And many a times we look through life in a 10-minute lens when God is looking at a 10,000-year lens. That this is a big, long journey. And I wanna, what I want to do today is to give you proper perspective so that we can understand our purpose as we walk out this journey. I want to give you some perspective today and, and take this with you. Uh, I believe the Christian life is much more about a direction than a destination. It's much more about a direction than a destination. We get to, Jesus told us this in John 10, 10. He, he said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Listen, Jesus wants to give you life on your journey. He came to give you abundant life. And so uh, I believe that today's message uh, could be a, a big one for you. I believe that today, if you embrace what we talk about, you're gonna live life with incredible purpose, joy, and intentionality. So today, this, everything we're gonna talk about is that we must understand our identity because our identity determines our direction, and listen to me, our direction ultimately determines our destiny. So let's dive in. 
Verses 1 and 2, it says, we're going to start in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, and we'll circle back our way to the end of chapter 2. But this is what God's Word says. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we shall be called children of God. And it says, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are what? Children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But, when he, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. First thing we have to see, we have to understand our identity. We have to understand our identity. We have to understand our identity. And, and so we, we see... Here in verse 1, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. Now, what's he talking about uh, with, with lavish? And, and what he's essentially saying is that he has adopted us. In this picture of salvation, man, we could explain it a, a zillion different ways, but I, I want to give you the picture of why we sing about Christ, why it's such a big deal to talk about his love, and that essentially uh, God took his own son, who is like him in every way, and he sent him to the cross to sacrifice his son to purchase and adopt children that were outside of his family. Now, I believe this. There's nothing more gospel, uh, nothing more gospel-oriented, nothing shows the gospel more than adoption. We have a young lady in our church that's uh, seeking to adopt, and, and man, it's this, this beautiful picture. I've gotten the chance to experience that. And what an adoption is, it is a family looking at children who don't have a family and saying, hey, I see you, I love you, even though you've given me nothing in return, and I want to bring you into my family. That's beautiful. Listen, that's exactly what God did for us in the gospel, except for he had to pay his own son on the cross to get us. That's lavishing love. So, so we see that we've been invited to join uh, a family. We've been invited to join a family in the gospel that your identity now, no matter how you grew up, no matter where you came from, no matter what the track record is, listen to me, when you've said yes to Christ, you've been invited to join an eternal family. That's who you are. That's who you are in Christ. But I also want you to see that in the gospel, this lavish love, it's not like, a little love, lavish means it's been poured out. We've been filled. Well, why, why would he say lavish? Listen, we've been rescued out of darkness into light. First John 2, 9, what does it say? It says that, that we have been rescued, we've been called, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, that you've been called out of darkness into his wonderful light. We've been called out of darkness into light. Uh, I, I think about it like this. I remember when I got saved, um, when, when I was living in sin, my identity was not secure in Christ. I felt like I had taken my life, I had taken a shovel, and I had dug a pit way, way deep. Can anybody agree with, that's, relate with that sentiment? Listen, I blew this. I've taken a, a, a shovel and I've dug a pit. I've dug myself down so deep that the idea of looking up to get out, there's no way I can make it out of here. That, that's what I felt like. And I want you to know what God did 
is he sent Jesus down into the pit to rescue us out. He came down to get us where we were, and he brought us out. Now listen, love would have been just getting you out of the pit and putting you on level ground, right? I know for me, I'd have been happy with that. But listen, Jesus doesn't just come to get us out of the pit and put us on level ground. Jesus comes down in the pit, and he brings us to the palace that is in heaven. And listen, that's lavish love. It's this, this picture, all right? Of, of him bringing us out. He didn't just bring us out of hell. Listen, he brings us to heaven. That's lavish love. Man, that's, that's love poured out on us. But I want you to know that today, if we don't start here, if we don't get that, nothing else matters. One of my mentors said this, identity isn't a thing in the Christian life. It is the thing. Everything flows from knowing who we are in Christ. Everything that comes from being in our seated position. I was thinking about this this morning of what happens when we aren't secure in our identity in Christ, that we are sons of God. Um, I, I remember, anybody seen uh, that Leo DiCaprio movie, Catch Me If You Can? You ever seen that? All right, this is a bad example, but I'm going to do my best. Um, it's okay. So, so it, it's a picture of a true story where uh, Leo DiCaprio plays a young man named Frank uh, Ab- Abagnale. And what happens at the start of the movie, uh, Frank idolizes his father. He thinks his father hung the moon. And his dad is being up for something in the Rotary Club, and he, and he goes to be a part of this. And, and what he begins to understand is his dad is a scam. He's a con artist. And after that, his dad changes clothes and, and tries to change his identity and try to change his appearance to try and secure a loan from the bank because he's blown a lot of it. He's trying to con the people. And so he begins to realize that uh, his dad is struggling. His dad uh, is not doing well. And then later on in the movie, he comes and he finds his mom uh, having an affair on on his dad. And so uh, their house breaks up and Frank is just shattered. I mean, his father, he's seen his father con and mess up. He's seen his mom mess up. And so what he's been handed is some pretty broken scripts from his parents. And so in the movie, what happens is he uh, tries to deal with this brokenness, this divorce, this shattered childhood by going and taking on different identities. By the age of 18, listen to this, he became a doctor, he became a lawyer, a co-pilot on planes, and the most successful bank robber in U.S. history. And what he was doing is he learned how to forge his signature. He had learned how to make IDs. He had learned how to get all the documents done where he could go around and become whoever he needed to become to fit in and to do whatever he wanted to do. And in this, he tried to find happiness to cover up the brokenness that he was handed. Right? And so uh, the whole story is him trying uh, to find it, but apparently this many identities never brought him joy. And we see that in the end of the movie, that all along the while, what he was doing was trying to find things to fill the broken void in his life. And I thought about that and I said, man, that is it. That is it. That when we don't know who we are in Christ, we're going to look for happiness, but see what happiness is, take this with you, is momentary pleasure. That when we get to our house, we lay down broken and empty. Right, like happiness gives us momentary pleasure, but I guarantee you, you're like me. When you weigh your head down at night, no matter how much you got of what you wanted, there's still something void. 
And that's what I want you to know about joy. That's one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit when you know your identities in Christ. Joy involves eternal purpose and satisfaction. Joy is finding eternal purpose and satisfaction. And that when we find Christ, we find what we're created for. And so when we find our identity in Christ, we have eternal joy. We have lasting joy. We, we have security because we know who we are. And what I've learned about this life, when we don't have our, our identity in Christ, we will look to fill it with something else. It's a cheap substitute. Idols make crappy gods. <laughs> they don't serve as well as we serve them. And I think in my life, as, as, as I began to more, become more secure in who I was, man, man I think about a- athletics and sports and coaching, and, and those are all wonderful things. Man, there's a wonderful things. There are so many things in God's good creation He's given us to enjoy. Go do them. Enjoy them. But no, they make terrible gods. They make terrible gods. Because what would happen is before, I was Buck the wrestling coach. And even now, sometimes when I get in a tight spot, I'm taking on the identity of Buck the pastor or, or maybe Buck the athlete. Maybe put it on you. Maybe you're the, the worker, the, the owner, the, the whatever you are, some title or position or hobby, and people would identify, identify you as that. But listen, once we come to Christ, who I became is I became Buck, God's son. You become so-and-so, God's daughter. That is who you are. And I became, instead of Buck the wrestling coach, I became Buck, God's son, who enjoys wrestling. You see the difference? That I enjoy it, but it doesn't define who I am. And so we see that we have to be secure in in who we are. And maybe for some, if you're struggling, right, with addiction or or whatever it may be, you are not Buck or so-and-so the addict. Listen, you are so-and-so God's son who struggles with blank. As we talk about wrestling sin, you are not what you do. You are not what you've done. You are who he says you are. And when people try and bring up your past, listen, say that's who I was, but that is not who I am anymore. It's just that simple. It's just that simple that we, that we begin to embrace God's identity and who he has for us. And many of us, man, I believe it in this fast paced life. Many of us are asking the question, man, where am I going in life? Did anybody wake up like me? You're 34 and you're like, where the heck did the time go, right? Many of us are asking, where am I going in life? But I believe that's just the surface for the real question. What we're asking ourselves is not where am I going, but who am I? But who am I? Underneath that, I want to figure out who I am. And I want you to know the gospel informs us who we are and who God created us to be. So remember, eternal joy, purpose, and peace is found in a relationship with Jesus. That's what we were created for. Now, I want to read 3 through 10, and really the the rest of it, we're going to talk about how our identity determines our direction. Hear that again. As we get that solid, as our identity, our identity determines our direction. Start with me in verse 3. It says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. 
Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They, can go, they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now, again, our identity determines our direction. As we get solid in who we are, really the rest of life is direction. It forms it. And remember, I said this at the beginning of the sermon. The Christian life is more about direction than a destination. You know, many of us want to get the destination without going through the directional process it takes to get there. We want to get it all like right now. I want to get all fixed up. I want to get my ticket. I want to do my stuff and I want to fix it. I want to get this part of my life right. And listen, God don't operate like that. He don't, man. It's a direction. It's a journey. It's a, a, a pilgrimage. Remember, many of us are asking the wrong question. Where am I going in life? The right question is, who am I becoming in life? It's who. And know that the Christian life is not a step, a step ladder to climb. It's not a heel to take. It's not a corporate ladder you get higher on. Listen to me. The Christian life is a firm foundation given to you by Jesus to walk on. It's a firm foundation you've been given to begin to walk this journey. Now, if I could give you a picture of the Christian life, first let me give you none. The Christian life is not, man, I got rescued out of the pit. I'm going to heaven. Now I'm on earth because I got it figured out. Straight and narrow. I don't struggle anymore. I don't sin anymore. Uh, uh, these old habits are all gone. I've been totally delivered. That's not it, okay? In fact, if I could give you the Christian life, man, a lot of times it's taking one small step forward and a darn rock comes out of left field and hits you in the eye, right? And I get knocked down and I roll around and if I was a little more animated, I may would roll around for you, but I'm not going to do that. I'd be the talk of the town. Anyway, um, then we get back up, man. We dust ourselves off, and we get back on the journey. And, man, we take a couple good steps forward, and then this distraction, this worldly thing kind of gets in our lens, and it drags us kind of to the left, kind of off course. Anybody feel like sometimes you get pulled off course a little bit? And God convicts us, and we repent, and, and then we get back on the course. And so it's this zigzag journey. But what I want you to know is this. It's not about how perfect the line is. The question is, is the overall direction of my life becoming imperfectly more and more like Jesus? That's the direction. That is the, the picture. And what I want to talk about today is on this journey, this is who you will become more and more. Now, again, some of you, man, you, you, you're thinking like you're going to sprint out front and we don't have grace for people that started pretty darn deep in the pit, Right? That it's not about getting it all right, but man, it's about meeting people where they are and helping them get where God wants them to be. But I want you to know, this is where God wants you to be. We see it in the passage. Verse 3, it says, those who have hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. We're going to grow in purity. We're going to grow in purity. We're gonna, that's this picture of holiness. That's becoming more godly. Now, let me give you the motivation for that. The, the reason why is not so we can get in the showering and clean up ourselves to make a better version of ourselves for the world to see. No, we become pure because our Savior is pure, the one who rescued us. It's for him that we grow. It's by him that we grow. 
When we grow in purity by looking at him, and as we behold him and worship him, we want to become more like him. So we grow in purity. Now listen, verses 4, 5, and 6, and this is an important one. It says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sins lawlessness, but you know that he appeared so he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Now verse 6, no one who sins, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has seen him or known him. A mark that your identity is secure and you're directionally headed toward Jesus is recognizing and fighting sin. Recognizing and fighting sin. That is a, that is a mark. Now this is important because it says no one who keeps on sinning has him, right? And so it's this picture of, well, Man, when you start talking about sin, I love when you preach about sin in a church because you hear a pin drop up in there, right? So it's like, well, but well, what does that look like? And I was doing some studying on this, and this is vitally important. That when it talks about continuing in, it's this picture of habitual. It is conscious, like choosing to. Like, like zero desire to repent. It's a picture of indulging in, making a practice of, making the conscious effort to do it, right? So this is what I want to let you know. There ain't no person in this room that's without sin, not one. There's no person on this side of this direction toward our destiny that isn't going to struggle with it. That's a part of it. So you're like, well, but what is this deal with sin? Like, how much can I have? How much do I need to fight? Listen, here's the deal. It's that key word fight. When it comes to sin, it's not a matter of if you have it, brother and sister, listen, what are you doing with it in your life? That's the key. What are you doing with it in your life? Is it something that, man, you you know, it's there, you choose to do it, you want to do it, and you experience no conviction that leads to repentance? We have to go back to the source to see that Jesus came, that he might take away our sin. I want you to see the mission of Jesus. It says that he what? He came to take away our sins, to help us in this fight, in this journey. So I want you to know, man, that, that you have an overcome or someone that can help you on this journey. And I really want that to settle with you. It's not a matter if you have it. It's a matter of if you're fighting it. And that we believe that no one who knows Christ won't experience conviction that leads to repentance. And if you're feeling conviction right now, that's a good mark that you're on the direction, the destiny. That's good. It's good. It's the mark of the believer. And so we see who will recognize and fight sin. Now, verse 7, it says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. You might want to highlight that, okay? Don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The Christian on the path is going to be growing in obedience, going to be growing in obedience. That's doing what God wants us to do. That's doing. And so many people are fighting against trying to figure out what I don't need to do and backing their way in the heaven. And that God says, it's not about what you're necessarily just running from, but it's what you're running to, right? It's doing what is righteous. It's, it's obeying that so many people uh, just feel like we've got to be shelled up and, and we've just got to fight off these things in our life, that it's not about so much just what you're not doing, but brother and sister, what are we doing with our faith? And it says that growing in obedience is the mark of a growing believer. We do what's right. And it says that, why? Again, 
It's not cleaning up. It's not a better version of ourselves. We grow in righteousness. Why? Because he is righteousness. He is righteous. And then we begin to see in 7 through 10, we, reckon, we realize the roots of sin and the roots of righteousness. That, that we, we see at the very bottom, the surface level, as we talk about identity, we look at the sources. What does he say? Now, he, he says, uh, don't let anyone lead you astray, but the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because what? The devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who has been born of God will continue the sin. Remember, we talked about habitual. This is not if you sin, but what we're doing with it, fighting it, remaining in Christ. But why? Because God's seed remains in them, and they cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. I want you to know something about this, okay? God's seed is the word of God. And all of the word of God points to the gospel. Every, every letter points to that finished work of Jesus that came to rescue us out of our sin. And when we repent and we say yes by faith, God's seed, his word, is planted in our hearts. It's, it's, it's just like that. And remember I talked about this process. Listen to me. From that moment on, listen, it's a process, not perfection. It's a process, not perfection. But when that seed gets firmly planted, what you need on the backside of that, you need patience, perseverance, and persistence. Hear that again. It's a picture of growth. And y'all, I've been on this growth kick, right? Like when we receive the word of God, we come to faith in Christ. There is an arduous, imperfect journey that will require patience, persistence, and perseverance. I'll tell you a story and what I mean by that. If you're not where you think you should be by now, or maybe you're new to the faith, and one week you feel like you're right beside Jesus, and the next week you wonder if it really was true. Can anybody agree and felt that before? Listen to this story. A Chinese bamboo tree takes five years to grow. It has been watered, so there's a seed firmly planted in the ground. It has been watered and fertilized in the ground where it has been planted every day. It, does not, it doesn't break the ground for five years. After five years, once it breaks the ground, it will grow 90 feet tall in five weeks. The question is, did the Chinese bamboo tree grow 90 feet tall in five weeks? What do we see? It says, <clears throat> it says Les Brown, it says the answer is obvious. It grows 90 feet tall in five years, not five weeks. If any time that person stopped watering and fertilizing that tree, it would die in the ground. Some people do not, do not have the patience to wait for the tree to grow, yet many people do. Listen to me. Even if you're not seeing the outward fruit, even if you're not as far along as you think you should be, even if, even if it's not looking like you think it should be, listen to me. Just because you don't see the outward fruit don't mean that seed isn't growing in you. It's a process. It says one man plants, one man waters, but God brings the increase. If you want to grow, man, don't worry about tending to yourself. You look to the one who can give you sufficient water to grow. You take care of the good thing God's planted in you, and the only way to water it, the only way to get sunlight is to press into Jesus. It's to be in the fellowship and to hear the word of God. And what it is, it's like water falling on the seed God planted in you. And this beautiful process begins of becoming something useful for the kingdom of God. But the truth of the reality is, 
God's probably not moving as fast as you want him to in your life. That he's patient with us. He, he develops us. He wants to grow us. We were talking about this in sermon prep meeting. It's like the lone leaf pine. Same concept. It doesn't grow as fast. We don't see it. But what happens is a tap root, a deep root is growing deep. It's growing deeper. And, and a lot of times the Christian life, we grow like that. Though we don't see much production, what we have is a firm foundation growing deeper, knowing our identity, knowing who we are in Christ, growing and understanding the foundations of the faith so that when God commissions you to go and you start walking, you're on a firm foundation that's going to hold you up as you seek to live this thing out. That's the picture of spiritual growth. It's depth and width, depth and width, all over, all over, and all over. But I want you to know, this life is about a pursuit of Jesus, not perfection. It's a pursuit of the one who planted the seed in us. And many times when we talk about sin and the struggles and the frustrations of trying to grow in our relationship with Jesus, I think about it like trying to change a tire. This happened to me a while back, and man, I was right there, and my, my daggum jack broke, okay? So that was one. I, I took out my crowbar, and man, any of y'all had some tough lug nuts on your tire, right? You know, like you're in there, and you're just, you're just cranking that thing, and then the whole manhood thing comes up of, these suckers are seeing this grown man can't change his tire on the interstate, right? And so many times, we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up because we're not seeing what we want. And, and we see the bad habits. We see the things forming. And, and it's like a crowbar. We just want to work that stuff out of our life. We just want to work that stuff out of our life. We want to we fix this area. Well, here's the thing. As soon as you get that lug nut off, man, it seems like there's another one that pops up. Right? And the minute you work on that one, man, you're, you're working it off. You're working it off. I'm fixing this area of my life. I'm fixing it. I'm going to be at church more. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to stop looking at that thing, whatever it may be. And then you fix it, and then your jack breaks, right? And finally, you get to like, man, I, I can't fix it. But here's the deal. You are never meant to look down, grab that crowbar, and look at your sin. Listen, you are meant to look at your Savior and walk in his grace. And what happens when you walk in his grace, he begins to help melt sin out of your life. And that's where I got it wrong. Listen, following Jesus is not just about what you're turning from. It's more important about who are you turning to. And when you step in his way, when you step in his light and walk, you begin to see exposed dark areas and he begins to help burn that sin out of your life. Why? Because you found something more desirable than that thing you struggle with. And it's him. That's where joy's at. That's where it's found. So know that it's not so much about just what you're turning from. You look at who you're turning to. I want to read with you Colossians 3. This is some of the best passage for your whole life. Man, your whole life today. You know, you may, some of you, man, you may be deucing out after this sermon and, you know, you may not see me again for some. You may hear a ton of sermons at this church. But this will change your whole life. Listen, it says, Since then you have been raised with Christ out of the pit into the palace, Set your hearts on things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It says, set your what? Minds on things that are above, not on earthly things. It says, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It's about having good eyesight. <laughs> it's about having good eyesight, seeing him for who he is and what he's done. So listen, I want to ask you the question. Is the overall direction of my life and your life looking more and more like Jesus? 
Not perfect. But is your life from from where you were to where you are, is it becoming more and more like Jesus? And that, man, I want to tell you, I'm not a finished product. I got a long ways to go. But listen, I'm a lot farther along now than where I was. I look back and I say, man, that's who I was. But praise God, he's brought me to where I am. Some of you, man, listen. You know, I hear folks all the time. Like the other week, I was hanging out and a couple of folks uh, were smoking cigarettes right, right outside. And I was like, man, that's cool. Just, just come stand over here so we don't breathe it on people. And anyway, so we went over there. And man, sometimes people are so judgmental about that and so, so judgmental about, man, well, man, look at what they're doing. Listen, we celebrate because they were smoking something different three months ago. Amen? It's not a matter of where we are. It's a process. It's not perfection. We want to meet people where they are and help them get where God wants them to be. And we are all at different points on this journey to become like him. Man, listen, just like we were talking about, it's a process. It's a journey. It's a pilgrimage. And we need to walk this pilgrimage out together. And I want to give you some keys, just two keys. How can I be successful in this journey? I wish I could give you a course to go to. I wish I had some quick solution to, to get the stuff out that you struggle with or to get you sprinting right along. I read the Bible for one year and felt like I never got a whole lot from it. Just truthful, but I stuck with it. Listen, I, I want you to know, if you want to grow... There is no substitute for spending time with Jesus. There is no substitute for reading his word and praying. I know that may sound overly simple. True growth is going to happen from the one who planted a seed in you. The second thing, and this helps a lot, spend time with Jesus and spend time with Jesus' people. There's a lot of strength of walking beside people that are walking the same direction you are. There's a lot of strength in community. You know, we talk about next steps. If you're not saved, be baptized so we can celebrate you. If you've been baptized, man, come to heart and soul. We want to give you the foundations of the faith and show you how to belong in the family of God. If you're not a part of a connect group, man, I'm telling you, we believe real life change happens in community. We're a testament to that. There's 30 of them that meet all across this community in circles, eating good food and sure enough feeding on a good word, right? And so, so take your next step, whatever that looks like. And then um, we, we arrive, I want to go all the way back to chapter 2, verse 28. It says, and now, dear children, continue in him. Continue in him. Continue in him. When it's difficult, continue in him. When you're struggling, continue in him. When it's a tough week, continue in him. Why? It says, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Listen, our direction, the direction of our life determines our destiny. The direction of our life determines our destiny. And that the more we walk, the closer we get to Jesus, the more this platform we're walking on, we become confident that it will hold us up. And we become more confident that when we see him, we're going to be looking more and more like him. That, that's, that's the end of the journey. It is our destiny. It is not just a place to go. It's who we will become and who we will see at the end of the journey. That's what keeps us going on the hard days. That's what keeps us coming. Man, I, I just want to tell y'all, I was telling this to my wife. There was a time where getting up, surviving, doing my best to be a faithful 
follower and laying my head down and going to sleep. That's all I had to give. There was a time where I, I didn't think I'd be doing this again. There, there was a season where the, the difficulty that I walked through, I thought I was done. And man, we, we, were, we were having this discussion of, we just kept asking for God's help and just keep going. Even when you don't feel it, keep obeying. Even when it's hard to get up, keep going. Even, even when you've messed up badly, you repent and you get back on that horse. Over and over and over again. And listen to me. It's about continuing in him. Becoming firm in what he said over us. Our identity confirming our direction. Our direction uh, determining our destiny. And it's about trusting the process. Trust the process. Trust, embrace the journey. Embrace the journey of your life that there are going to be incredible highs, incredible lows, and everything in between. But what I am assured of is he who began the good work in you will bring it to completion and get you to the destination. And that's our destiny. And this is you trust the process as we go through the sufferings of life, the days where we feel like we can't get back up. This one thought will change your life. God's goal in everything that happens in your life is to make you more like Jesus. That is his goal for your life, to help you become who he wants you to become. This is our destiny. Anybody picked up some scars on this journey? Anybody? I shared some of mine. You picked up some scars. Has it been difficult to continue in the faith at times? Again, have you picked up some scars as you've continued in the faith? I want to let you know something, okay? As you become who God's called you to become and you see him face to face and he takes us to heaven, Jesus Christ is going to be the only scarred man in heaven. We get to enjoy him for all eternity. That is our destiny in Christ. By his stripes, his wounds, we've been healed. And you'll see his scars on his hand, the nails in his feet. And what he did is he paid for our sin on the cross so that we may have new bodies and we get to be glorified. We get to be in glory with him and enjoy him for all eternity. That is your destiny. This is the eternal hope we have in Christ. So as you navigate life, I want to give you something. Walk with the end in mind. Walk your life out with the end in mind. And so as we close today and the band gets ready to lead us, today, if your identity isn't secure, as I read all the things about what this direction looks like, you're like, Buck, I've never felt bad about my sin. I just do it and I don't care. Or, or maybe it's like, man, I thought I had something when I was a kid and now as I've heard this message, I don't have it. This is a good thing I want you to know here. We celebrate that. We expect people to come to faith because the Bible says the gospel continues to be the power of God for salvation. This is a place of celebration for you to come into this family. For, for God to look at you and say, hey, man, I, I want to bring you into this family. This is what I ask you to do. You've heard and seen who Jesus is. Repent of your sin and give your life to him and place your faith in him. We'll celebrate you. And maybe for some, man, you're hearing this message and God's working on your heart and you see that all these different, maybe someone invited you to church, all these different circumstances are playing out that's brought you to this moment. And it's a picture of God's sovereignty that he saw you before you ever got here and said, man, I love you. I choose you. I want you to come into my family. That's the God we serve. 
And then for some, man, maybe you've been in Christ and it's been a tough week or a tough season or a good week. This is what I know. Whether you're new or been fallen for a while, I pray the gospel is fresh and new and glorious today, right? That it's all over again. We get to relive getting brought out of the pit into heaven. It's in the gospel. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we evangelize. That's why we fight sin. That's why we continue to walk. That's why we, we engage in community. That's why we make disciples. That's, that's why we live it out. It's not hoping to get something. It's because we've seen what we got in the gospel. Let it be a fresh reminder of why we live out the faith here. Because our identity is in Christ. Our identity determines our direction. And our direction determines our destiny. Church, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray as we sing this last song. would love for you to come if there's anything God's laying on your heart. If you have a next step to take, don't leave before you go to our next steps table and get signed up. And if you need to come to faith in Christ, I'm going to give you that opportunity. And we just want to celebrate you. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word today. Thank you for what you did for us on that cross. Lord, I just pray right now, if there's anyone in God's house today, it's like, man, today, man, Buck, I, I hear it. I hear God calling me to himself. I know he is who he says he is, and I want to repent of my sin and place my faith in Jesus. And I want to start a relationship with him. If that's you today, would you kindly just lift your hand up high where I can see? Yes, amen. See you back there. Is there anyone else? I'll give you guys a moment. Respond as God prompts. Is there anyone else in the house? Lord, I thank you for new life in this place. I thank you for what you're doing. God, I pray that we would respond to your prompting. Jesus, you are good. And we thank you for that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate a new young brother coming into the faith? So if you made that decision or, or God's maybe still working on your heart, we have a couple of connectors that uh, if you want someone to pray with you and maybe walk with you through that, we'd love for you to do that as we respond. And man, these altars are open. If you'd like to come and pray, you're welcome to. And I want you to know, man, though I love you so much, so thankful to get to do this and walk this journey, this pilgrimage out with you. Know how much I love you. Let's sing one more time to King Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.